Hello and welcome to the podcast for Christ Community Church in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. My name is Lee Younger. I'm one of the pastors here, and this is a message I gave on Sunday morning, April 17th, 2022, Easter Sunday from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you want to follow along, I'm going to be in the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 15 a little bit later on, but you don't have to because I'll read it. As I said, Tom and I are both going to answer the same question today. And the question is, how can you know that what we believe about Jesus being risen from the dead is true? How can you know that it really happened and that it's true? We have a message that is so cool. We have news that is so beautiful and so good and so kind. It's so, I want it to be true so bad. But the question is, how can you know it's true? I think about that first Easter morning and how, just how surprising it was. It was absolutely surprising, even though it, in some ways it shouldn't have been surprising because Jesus had been telling his guys for six months, hey, we're going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be betrayed and, and arrested. I'm going to be executed. And then I'm going to rise from the dead on the third day. He had been telling the, his guys that for, and all of the people that were following him, he'd been telling them that for six months. So it shouldn't have been surprising, but it was oh so surprising. It was so surprising. These, all these women that loved Jesus went to the tomb with all this stuff. They were going to prepare his body and everything. And they're like, how are we going to roll this stone away? And surprise, the stone is rolled away. And then there's angels there. Surprise. And then Jesus is not there. Surprise, surprise. It was so surprising. It was such an exciting day. I mean, I think about the fact that, you know, Mary... Of Magdalene, she, Mary Magdalene, like when, she, when the body of Jesus wasn't there, she runs back into the city. She goes and finds all of Jesus' guys, and she's like, they've taken him. He's not there. And then all of a sudden we have like maybe the first recorded foot race in antiquity when John says, Peter and I raced to the tomb. And like three times he's like, and I beat him. You know, it's not a huge deal. But if you're wondering who won, it was me. I mean... <laughs> Not that it really matters, but just in case nobody heard me, I won. I beat Peter. And the, like, it, it was such an exciting thing. There was races. There was apparating. Like Jesus is appearing and disappearing everywhere. It was an amazingly exciting day. It was an amazingly personal day. Like when Mary um, goes back to the tomb later and she, she sees this person, she thinks he's the gardener, and she says, if you've taken my Lord, tell me where you put him and, I, and I'll take him back. I'll go and get him. And then he so sweetly and tenderly said her name, Mary, in the way that only he did. And then he said, go tell my guys and tell Peter. And he met with her one-on-one. -on -one. He met with Peter one-on-one. -on -one. It was incredibly personal. And he and Peter had this, you know, I'm sure they had tears and they had hugs. And they, and he just, they put their friendship back together. It was such a sweet, such a sweet and personal day. That was a surprising day. It was an exciting day. It was a tender and a personal day. But the question is, even though it was surprising, even though it was exciting, even though it was personal and sweet, is it true? That's the thing we really got to know. Amen? Is it true? How do I know that it's absolutely true? And the thing is, it can't be based on something like, I really want it to be true. Like, I really think it's true. I was raised in a house where we believe it's true. Like, a lot of times you ask people, why are you a person that follows Jesus? And they're like, well, I was raised in church. And I grew up in a Christian home. That's a phrase you hear a lot in people's testimonies. I grew up in a Christian home. I was raised in church. It's got to be more than that. I mean, because a lot of us think and hold on to things because we were raised in a home that thinks and holds on to those things. Like, I personally 
was raised in a home where everybody in that home believes that the greatest college football team is the one that comes from the University of Michigan. And thank you. That's not a very popular idea around here. You know, and look, just because we were raised in that home and just because I want that to be true, it doesn't make it objectively true. I mean, sure, they have one. Sure. They've won more games than any other team. And they do have the biggest stadium of all the teams. But it doesn't make it objectively true. I understand. Now, when it comes to, when it comes to the resurrection of Jesus, we got to have more than I was raised in a home that thinks that. Amen? I got to know. I got to have some reasons why I know that this is true. It's got to be more than I just think it or I want it really bad. I've got a really good friend who I dearly love. I dearly love. And, and like, because sometimes, I'll go to that in a second, because sometimes people believe something and they really want something to be true and they have absolutely no objective proof for it whatsoever. So back to my friend. I've got a friend who I dearly love. And he honestly thinks, and he'll tell you this to your face with a straight face, that the greatest actor of all time is Keanu Reeves. <laughs> Keanu Reeves, like from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. And he's like, dude, he's the best actor of all time. And you're like, you just want, you don't even have any objective proof. In fact, all the proof is to the opposite side of that. <laughs> But when it comes to the resurrection of Jesus, we've got to have more than I just want it. Amen? More than I just think it. More than I was raised to believe this. How can I know it's true? And the stakes are high, y'all. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is how high the stakes are. If Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless. And so is your faith. More than that, we are found to be false witnesses about God. For we testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he didn't raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, check this out, your faith is futile, you are still in your sins, then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are above all people to be pitied. If it's not true then what we're doing here is completely meaningless. Our preaching is meaningless. Your faith is futile. You're still in your sins. And everybody that we love that died believing in Jesus, they're lost. That's what he says. That's how high the stakes are. But if it's true, if it's true, then Jesus is who he said he is. He's King of kings and Lord of lords. And guys, an amen belongs there. If it's true, then we are not in our sins. We've been forgiven of our sins. If it's true, then the dead in Christ are not lost. They're home. Amen? amen. So we've got to know if it's true. Okay, so Tom and I are both going to answer this. I'm going to give you my favorite reason. There's a lot of reasons why I believe this is absolutely true. And you can bank on it. But I'm going to give you my favorite one, okay? Here's my favorite one. The Bible makes an astonishing claim that is absolutely undeniable fact. And I don't think you can explain it any other way than this. Jesus is risen from the dead. The Bible makes an astonishing claim that is undeniable fact, and I don't think you can explain it any other way than by this. Jesus is risen from the dead. Historically, physically, bodily, he got, got up out of his grave, walked around, and met people and hung out with them. Now, we have to take a time out, a slight time out, and say, and deal with something, which is somebody might be sitting there thinking, 
you're hanging this whole thing on the Bible, but what if I don't believe in the Bible? So you're saying, I know this is true, but what if I look at you and say, like, the New Testament was written 2,000 years ago by people who have been dead for 2,000 years. I mean, didn't they add a bunch of stuff hundreds of years later? How can we even know that what we hold in our hands is even an accurate representation of what those guys wrote down? Okay. I have to tell you that I don't actually have time to get into all of that as much as I would want to, but I love all the nerdy details of that. And if you want to just nerd out on some Bible nerd stuff with me, give me a call. Let's, let's do it. Let's talk the numbers, the whole thing. I will say this. There is a branch of study, a, a scientific branch of study called paleography. Paleographers are the people who hold the advanced degrees. They are the scientific experts in ancient forms of writing and ancient texts and documents, all that stuff. And they will not tell you that everything in the Bible is true. They won't tell you that, that what the Bible says about the miracles of Jesus or the claims of Jesus or anything like that. They, they won't tell you that that stuff is true. But the scientific experts will absolutely 100% tell you this, that the New Testament, by every metric and measure by which we measure ancient texts and documents, the New Testament is in first place in accuracy and faithfulness in everything. Not only is the New Testament in first place, y'all, it's embarrassingly in first place. Like, it's ridiculous. You can't even see second place. And they have no problems with historically basing things on second, third, fourth, fifth, and, you know, 100th place. But you can't even see them from where the New Testament is standing. If you were to put the New Testament in second place in a race, it would be like Secretariat in his, in, in the, the racehorse, Secretariat in his prime versus like a carousel pony <laughs> that cannot leave the ground. That's how desperately far away the New Testament is. What, what the experts will tell you is you can trust that this book, you're holding an accurate, you're holding a faithful representation of what those guys wrote down. Okay, so what did they write? What did they say? Here's what they said. They made this astonishing claim. People testified that they met Jesus risen from the dead. Those people completely changed. Every, everything about them completely changed on a dime. And then they went out and changed their communities and then the world. Now that is undeniable historical fact. People who claim to, to see Jesus risen from the dead, to meet him, hang out with him, have a friendship with him, risen from the dead, those people completely and utterly changed and they went out and changed their communities and then the world. You can't deny it. Like you look at a guy like Peter. In fact, all the disciples, definitely. But let's zoom in on Peter for just a second. Peter, when Jesus died, Peter was a crumpled mess in a corner of the upper room, hiding for his life, he, having denied that he even knew Jesus so that what was happening to Jesus wouldn't happen to him. Desperate, a failure, afraid for his life. And then you turn a couple of pages, and that dude is on fire standing up in front of the most powerful person in the country saying this, you do whatever you want to me, I will not stop talking about Jesus being risen from the dead. I can't. I saw him. He was unafraid and he kicked off along with all of his friends and all of the people who saw Jesus, he kicked off this confident mission society that was unstoppable, that was willing to suffer and die for this message. I saw Jesus risen from the dead. It happened overnight. And those people changed the entire world. Or look at a guy like the Apostle Paul. 
When you first meet the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts, he is this brilliant PhD, like smarter than everybody in the room, but like angry bully who is literally hunting down all the people who say they believe in Jesus, rounding them up, hunting them down to throw them in jail and to kill them. He is using all of his influence, all of his power, all of this legal backing to get these people rounded up and put in jail. And then literally you turn one page and all of a sudden this guy is completely unrecognizable totally unrecognizable and he becomes Jesus's number one defense attorney carrying the message of Jesus all over the world all over the world doesn't care about his degrees doesn't care about his money doesn't care about his clothes doesn't care about his power doesn't care about anything willing to suffer and die for this whole thing and if you asked him what happened to you he would say it's real simple I met Jesus he's alive from the dead I can't deny it I've hung out with him. We're friends. I'm on his team now. There's no other way you can feel about it. And the thing is, these guys absolutely changed the world. They changed their communities, and then, the, and then the whole world changed because of it. You can't deny it, and there's no other way to explain it. And the thing is, it didn't stop with Peter or Paul or all of those people that, that saw Jesus risen from the dead. Other people throughout history kept having this one testimony. I've met Jesus He's alive from the dead. He lives in me. He's changing me. And those people went out and started changing their communities and then the whole world. Do you realize that every humanitarian effort in the history of the world was started by somebody who said, I've met Jesus risen from the dead? Hospitals, charities, the abolition of the slave trade, missions to stop homelessness, the, the civil rights movement, Every, every institution or movement of justice and compassion and aid throughout the history of the world had its beginnings in somebody who said, I've met Jesus risen from the dead. Y'all, think about the heart of humanity. We wouldn't have thought of these things on our own. Amen? It took Jesus rising from the dead and living inside human hearts. And all throughout history, people who have changed and then changed their world have this in common, this testimony. I met Jesus. He's risen from the dead. He, I hang out with him. We're friends. And they changed the whole world. It's happened from Peter to Paul all the way through history. And I am a witness. Because when I was about 18 or 19 years old, and I was a complete and total disaster, um, floundering, lost, um, just a total mess. I met four people. They happen to, by the way, be sitting in this room. <laughs> and they completely changed my life. And they had this testimony. I've met Jesus risen from the dead. He lives in me. He's changed me. And they changed my life. And now I have this testimony. I have met Jesus risen from the dead. He lives in me. He's changing me. It's happening a lot slower than with Peter and Paul. It's frankly a lot slower than I would like it to. But he's changing me. And hopefully using me to change a little bit of my community and my world. Jesus is risen from the dead. People met him. He changed them. And through them, he's changing the whole world. And he's not going to stop until he changes the whole thing from top to bottom. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this undeniable, astonishing claim that people saw you risen from the dead. They completely changed. 
and then they change their world. I don't think there's any other way to explain what happened to them outside of this, that you got up out of your grave. We're so grateful. We're grateful for the fact that um, having believed in you, that you have begun the work of changing us. Thank you. May you change the world through us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. I am lost. I know not where I run or where I walk. Been strung out on this road for far too long.
Sons and we are daughters, we are free. 